This is intro, Justin. Just a heads up, you should make sure you are caught up on all the individual storylines, both BSC and the uh, boat boat people. What the fuck are they called? The Aaron's people, that storyline. You should be caught up on both because both of them are going to have a story in this. Without, without being caught up, it like spoils things. This is going to zoom in on each character and to show that each section is different you will hear this noise and scene that's a wrap up right i'm not exactly positive what it is but we created it in uh twitch speaking of which you should follow us on twitch at damper sands and you can hear me do stupid shit like record this intro while awkwardly staring at the camera so we're like bonding bonding our souls together you and i uh other things martin's recorded separately uh aaron's got shitty rain sounds in the background so whoops and uh join our discord and whatnot all that all those links are like in the description and shit that is all enjoy it's super long it was like eight hours of audio that I cut down to this. So, yeah. Sit down and buckle up, because this is Damper Sands. This is a 5e natural play, all original D&D, 5e, Magic the Gathering. That's an intro right there. That is an intro. We're all on Twitter. My name is Josh, and I play... Bob. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh on Twitter. Justin is actually froze because I doubt he talked his cat into con- Right, like, yeah. Hey cat, can you right. just hold your leg in the air but like also like a little <laughs> bit not be looking like you're moving your leg out of the way. She reset my PC. Oh, okay. All oh right. snap. And yet we're still recording, so we can keep so going. So his recording is gone. Yeah. Yeah, we oh. lost anything he said. We can keep going. We yeah. can, and then he can He'll pop just in. Splice He'll his own introduce back himself at the end. I'm next. I'm Briar. Nope, I'm Brittany. I'm Brittany. I play Briar. <laughs> I play Mimi. I have a Twitter, and it's Bree Black. Is that it? Is that my whole Twitter handle? Yeah. Look at that. Hashtag Bree Block me. That's it. That's my whole Bree Block. Hashtag Bree Block me. Hi, my name's Aaron. Uh, sometimes I DM, and sometimes I play the part of Talon Guildwing, bard extraordinaire, and author of renown. You can follow me on Twitter at Golden Taiga. Okay, testing, testing, testing. All right, we actually ready to start now? We already did our intros. Yeah, we did our introductions. So I'm supposed to intro myself? Hi, I'm Justin, your host and DM. My cat turned off my computer. So I don't know what's been said before now. You can follow me at Damper Sand. Wait, nope. At Dirge of Life. Or follow our podcast at Damper Sands. Or email us at dampersandspod at gmail.com. And I'm Martin. You can follow me at Cast Greatsword. I play Megan and or Crawlag depending on what campaign this is. You've been properly filled in. That's going to be edited in perfectly, seamlessly. It's going to be great. 
Don't worry. Did you know that last Saturday was National Ampersand Day? No, no. we really missed out really? on that. How about that? What the heck? Wow. You know, I was gonna, I was gonna message you guys. Wow, I, I was with you. We could just say this was recorded on that day. Like nobody's gonna know, right? Happy damp- Ampersand Day, everyone. Six. In case nobody got the joke up until this point, months ago. When An we ampersand <laughs> is the little symbol that's like and, but you're being lazy. I don't and by know the time if lazy you is find the right that key it. on the keyboard and realize you have to hold shift to push it, you could have just typed and to begin with. If you're writing by hand, and is definitely easier to write out than figuring out, okay, which way do I start? And then it goes, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. <laughs> anyway, so how do we want to start this, Aaron? Uh, sounds like me. Today, we have a guest DM. Josh on Twitter is taking the reins. (laughs) Yeah, keep going. A slight fog descends on the capital city as our adventurers enter through the eastern gate. The same gate that Jesus will enter Jerusalem from when he returns for the second time. (laughs) Except this isn't Jerusalem. And this is all going to get cut. Playing a Pharisee. There you go. I got my palm fronds. I don't. That's not canon. That's also not the second coming. Oh, right. That's the first one. Well, I got the mark of the beast. No, not that either. (laughs) I don't have that. That's accurate. For the record. So I'm going. Should we do like all of your characters? No. We'll mix it up. We'll mix it up. Okay. That's what I thought too. This shit's going to get crazy confusing. So make sure you use your character voices. I'm looking at you, Aaron. I'll try my best! Previously, you guys uh, finished your mission in the Gnome Lands. You are on your way to talk with the king. Trog got fired by Drew. And you guys are heading into the castle. Drew leads you guys into the king's quarters. On the way, he's explaining that he had to fire Trog. That, uh, the king couldn't trust him. Here, here, I'll do this in character a little bit. Uh, I had to fire Trog. The king just couldn't trust him. Ooh, Trog? Yeah. The king couldn't trust Trog. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you understand that one. Oh, no, I'm completely caught off guard. (laughs) He was the smartest stone cunner I ever met. I don't, what is Mimi's voice? Was it that, is that right? I've been reading a lot of James and the Giant Peach lately, and there's so many voices in my head right now, and they're all bugs. Do the ladybug. So. <clears throat> oh, James, just listen to the centipede. Do the centipede. Okay, now do the centipede. <laughs> that earthworm only knows how to complain. <laughs> Don't listen to that <laughs> asshole. He doesn't say asshole, because it's a all children's right, now do the book. Earthworm. Oh, no. Don't send me up to the top of the peach. We're all going to die. All right, die. now do the peach. <laughs> oh. Ready? Because you're holy. So that's what I have in my head. That was great. We'll be looking for a replacement for him soon. But for right now, we're going to have to deal without him. Maybe we can get Fredifer to fill in. Oh, I've always liked... Damn it. There's like a sass that's not there. Higher higher pitched. Yeah. Old lady. Sweet, but not going to put up with your shit. Kind of old lady. Also going to slap a younger dude's okay. butt. Yeah. Ooh, I've always liked Fredifer. Got it in one. 
<laughs> oh, is are you sure he's good to travel with the wound? I mean, he's been itching for a fight for years. I, I think he'll he'll manage. If you have any uh, suggestions, let me know, and maybe we can fill you out somebody else. Uh, yeah, I don't really have anyone that comes to mind. I could ask around. I know plenty of adventurers from other adventures in the past. Uh, most, most of them are very busy, though. Well, let me know. Welcome back, Crawlag. Uh... Thank you. Hopefully you stick around and, you know, don't go on any vacations or anything like that again. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, hi, Crawlag. I'm so glad we brought you back because there's no reason to take you out of this podcast. It made no sense. It was a personal attack on you. (laughs) I could leave that in the podcast and he'd never hear it. Does he not listen? Probably. (laughs) So, he leads you into the king's chambers. King's sitting at the table next to the paintings. There's moving pictures. What? (laughs) This time, you see the green fountain uh, with no bodies around. Just empty town center with the green fountain. And before when we saw the green fountain, there were like... There was dying elves. And like a halfling, dying elves. Okay, standing over them. Oh, dying elves and another species caring yeah, for them. A halfling. Interesting. Okay. You see the one with the dwarf sitting on the wall, uh, staring out into the mist. But in the background, you can see black figures darting back and forth in the distance. You see a new one though. It's a coliseum. Filled with orcs and goliaths. Uh, They're all screaming and cheering at the two combatants in the center. Uh, You can't make out too much because you got like a really high up bird's eye view. But you see the sands are red with blood. You can make out one male orc, one female orc battling it out. They appear exhausted by their movement. But every once in a while, one of them will have a rush forward swing their sword, and you'll see blood fly everywhere. And then you'll see, like, glowing, and then the next one will take a turn. What do you mean by glowing? Like a blue glow coming from them after they get injured. And then as you're watching it, the male swings his sword, and you see the top half of his bloody sword flying into the crowd, and it pierces through a goblin. The female orc takes the opportunity and plunges her blade right through him, and he sits there with a half-broken sword ready to parry. A blinding light explodes from the orc, and once it settles, you see the orc's body laying on the ground, and the female orc chops his head off, and the crowd cheers. Ear Drew. Fuck. So the king is looking distressed. He's Gliter has not returned to him. He's still looking for him. He introduces another halfling, a younger one named Yunsh. I don't want to know how it's spelled. I like the way okay. I spelled it. Uh, he's Glider's grandson. Uh, you guys go through. 
give them all the information about the Chittle Rats, unless you guys are purposely withholding anything. We don't have a reason to withhold anything, right? Nah, not that I know of. Do you? You haven't talked to me about it, if you do. I can't, I can't think of any reason to hold anything back. He's like, this is serious. Fagat is outright trying to undermine me. I will need some time to reach out to my sources in King's Peak and confirm if Dynair is up to something. Who's Dynair? The human god. You know that. You've heard it before. Please see me again in a week and we can discuss further matters. As for your payment, usual take care of that. So, uh, Drew walks out. You guys all get 1,333 gold. So as everyone leaves, the camera stays in the room, follows the king. He walks up to the painting of the dead orc lying in the middle of the Coliseum. Says, you damn fool. You and your traditions. And then moves over to the painting of the... The one painting that never changes. The painting of the cracked landscape with the storm brewing above it and he waves his hand in front of it and it opens like a door he walks down a short hallway and you see magical items lining shelves on shelves in the room at the end oh it doesn't open into a doorway into that landscape it opens up to a doorway within yes. his castle gaia and on the far wall he walks up to another moving portrait this one is a removing picture of a Duragar leaving the city, traveling west, with the camera focused on his belt. And scene. That's a wrap-up, right? Vagan, you sit at a table in Tavern Diplomat's Daughter, across from your traveling companion, Briar, who has taken on the monumental task of teaching you one of the greatest lessons a paladin, nay, an adventurer, nay, a being could learn. And that's how to read. So before you sits an open copy of really a masterpiece uh, called Goblin in the Garden. It is written by a very, very renowned, prestigious author. Right now, Briar is trying to get you to read out loud a phrase before you. You got this. Read it. The goblin snifed. Sniffed? His tea and scoffed. Scoffed. You've... <laughs> That's what I said. Good job. You've beaten my giant. Mm -hmm. Which I know means you're... Sound it out. You're exceptionally... Strong? Exceptionally strong, which actually reminds me a lot of you, Veg. You might be the strongest person I know. Keep going. You're doing great. So you could have put the tocin toxin on to toxin on your own kale Chal ice chalice chal chalice, trusting in your strength. Now, Briar, as you're kind of coaching Vag through, do you kind of notice? And you haven't had that much time to flip through this particular copy, but you have been noticing little cliff notes here and there, left by Terrence. Ooh. Uh, 
However, this particular section is really different because it seems like he's written over some of the letters, like traced the letters with ink to sort of make certain letters stand out. Was he finding a secret code in the text? It doesn't look like a code was found. It looks like a code is trying to be created. Like you just have the first, like they're working backwards to make a code. So it doesn't look like it's fully coded yet. It just looks like certain Mm -hmm. letters are being chosen. Do I get where they were going with it? Or at least trying Uh, to? Yes, actually. And as you notice which letters uh, stand out, you feel a little tinge of worry, maybe? From that uh, Mm -hmm. excerpt that was read, these letters stand out in this order. T-O-B-I-A, and the S in scoffed. Then K in I know. Fume K. I, then an N, then a G, and an S, then C, U. N-T? R-F-E. Aha! King's Curse! Okay. Have I heard the name Tobias somewhere before? I don't think you have. Okay. So, Vagan, while Briar is uh, trying to decipher some sort of hidden message, perhaps, in Terrence's old book, you suddenly are overcome with just an absolute sickness. Just sick to your stomach. Like, you are going to throw up right now. Uh, Can I do a perception check on the area around me? Uh, Sure. Do it with disadvantage. Thirteen. Thirteen! Uh, There's some goblets around that could have some people's drinks in them. I'm going to grab a goblet. Okay. And throw up in it. Fantastic. You grab a goblet from the next table, and you let her rip as just this wave of nausea washes over you. As soon as it was there, it's gone. Like, you feel, okay, people are looking at you weird. Briar definitely would have noticed this. There is a horrified gnome sitting at the next table looking up at you. I, uh, I want to, like, clap the gnome on the back. Oh, maybe I should, uh, cut myself off after that one. <laughs> and I want just, like, want to smile past it. What are you it. doing with the cup? I hand it back <laughs> to him. Ew. <laughs> he was mortified. So you're starting to feel a little bit better. You have that exchange. Maybe you're about to take your seat. Uh, make a constitution saving throw. A 14? Yeah, that's not going to cut it. You're knocked off your feet, and now you just feel pain coursing through your body. Everything aches instantly. And then again, it's gone as quick as it came. I'm also going to laugh this one off as I stand back up. Fagin, what the hell? You stand back up. You're As you're about to say whatever witty thing Vagin would say to laugh it off, roll me another constitution check. <laughs> oh, you know me and my drinks. <laughs> Just got a little <laughs> five. <laughs> You fall flat on your face, and there is a loud, not shattering sound, but a, uh, like something just broke. Where do you sheathe your sure grip? Cross my back? That seems to be where the noise came from. Again, intense pain. And this time it fades a lot more slowly, but you still just, you feel drained, like fatigued. I'm not even gonna stand up, I'm just gonna reach behind my back, and uh, try and grab it. Uh, So if you remember in the description of 
sure grip. In the pommel of this sword, there is a bright green gemstone that is cracked okay. straight down the middle, and its brightness is dimmed. And suddenly you just, you feel something's very, very wrong. Does this have to do with my deity? Absolutely the feeling that you'd be getting. And then you feel or hear a voice in your head. Paladin Vagan, the unmoved. Durgarash has defeated Balangur the Faultless in mortal combat. Balangur is no more. You are hereby commanded to return to Lufgar, Kingdom of Orcs, and report to the capital of your current assignment and re-swear allegiance to the new deity. Okay. And then an image is flashed in your head of your deity, the one you swore allegiance as a paladin, not necessarily to them specifically there at the tournament, but they were the deity when you won and when you took your oath. And you see them on the ground in the fighting pit. There are just debris everywhere. Whatever was here before was in ruins now. And you see what you know as one of the other orc council members. If you remember the layout there, there are three that constantly are challenging each other. All three have deity-like powers, but only one is the ruling deity at a time. Uh, and you recognize one uh, as Durgarash, a very tall, very old, very strong female orc on the council. She steps forward kicks Balangar over onto his back and brings an axe down through his neck. And then you're back in the tavern. You Well, you didn't leave the tavern, but, you know, you saw that scene playing and then it fades away and is replaced by the view of the ceiling of the tavern. And you are reminded of the day you got sure grip. And that vision being in the Grand Hall Ballinger the Faultless told you he's pretty sure he was going to be challenged soon. And he's pretty sure there was something not quite right happening. I, w- I would know that that whole scene isn't typical of one of their They have never challenges, right? They have never fought to the death. It's fight to submission. That has never been a thing. And it was very clear that Ballinger was done. Hmm. Any final thoughts? Don't miss a session. This is... You've only got two gods left, Vagin. (laughs) Well, this isn't good. End scene. That's a wrap-up, right? Talon, you go to your apartment, and as you come up, the old lady that rents it out to you, busy currently skinning a dead cat, is that her cat? Midnight? To, uh, taxidermy. Oh, hey, Talon! You got a, a, you got a letter! Oh, thank you so much, M- Mrs. Sherman. It's P. Sherman. <laughs> okay. Alright, I'm busy. Uh, go, go away. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> Stupid, crazy cat lady. Uh, okay, I open up the letter. Does it say anything on the envelope? Just to Talon Guildwing, renowned author and artisan of whatever. Whatever bullshit you'd write on a letter <laughs> is the bullshit it would say on that letter. Perfect. Okay. <clears throat> Don't read ahead. 
you're gonna ruin all the fun. But your grammar is sometimes really bad. Keep reading, buddy. My dearest Talon, I know it's been years since the incident, but I couldn't resist but to write to you. With the pressing matter that just happened and all, I knew you would be ecstatic to find out the news. But it's just been so long since we talked that I don't know exactly how to bring it up. I do miss our long talks and you telling me of your adventures and novels. I hold out hope that if enough time is given, like you requested, that you may find your way back to me. I now reside in Drover's Downs with my mother. I'm sure you still have the address, but if not, it's the third house on Bitterwood. The green one with tan shutters. Well, they are more cream-colored, I suppose, now that I'm looking at them. I always wish you could visit my mother one day with me and see them for yourself. You would know the correct color. Maybe it's beige, the tan one and not the red-colored one, right? Sometimes I get those mixed up. Uh, Lucky I'm not a writer, I guess. Can you imagine reading a book and hearing about the beige-red sand? I guess that is why proofreaders exist, though. I bet they'd save me a lot of embarrassment. I'm sure you wouldn't need one nearly as much as me, though. Okay, I asked my mother, and she says that they are definitely tan, and that beige is definitely the red one. See? I could definitely not be a writer. I do hope all's well, though, and you can write back to me soon. P.S. I almost forgot the whole reason I wrote to you. I saw our old friend Thaddeus. He's alive! He's an air croaker now? I know, hard to believe, right? He just knew so much that there's no way it's not him. Said he only died a little, but magic or something fixed him. I think he really wants to catch up with you. He asked so many questions. He even asked where your parents live nowadays. He seems to really care about you. P.S.S. I know the whole reason you left me was to mourn your friends, but now that one is back, I'd really love a double date with whoever his girlfriend is now. Let me know when. Ah, Julia. I knew there was a reason we broke up. (laughs) So Talon would like to go to his parents' house. Okay. Immediately. (laughs) Nothing suspicious going on there, but you do have a nice dinner with them. Uh, has an Aarakocra been by at all? Why no, son? We've been pretty quiet around here. No, no Aarakocra coming. Why do you ask? Oh, there was just, uh, confusion at my latest book signing release party. There's a Aarakocra caused a big stir. Oh. He seemed to not like my book at all. Not everybody's going to like what you write. Right. I get that. There are some people who are just stupid and have no taste. Uh, But he seemed to take it personally. And, you know, it's pretty easy to find out who my parents are. And I just would hate for him to show up here and do something crazy. We have guards around. We'll be fine. Even if you do have a disgruntled fan. I wouldn't say he's a fan. Uh, (laughs) why don't you just move back in here and the guards can protect you too? Uh, as great as it sounds, the place I'm staying at right now is just really 
five star. Let me tell you, it's just they go all out for me there. Well, I'm glad you're happy. You're making something of your life. Yeah, uh, the adventuring group that I'm with not right now is they're very capable. A lot of great uh, prospects there. Do doing anything worthwhile? Uh, yeah, we can't really talk too much about it. Um, let's just say our work has taken us to the palace a couple times. Did you hear uh, Glider disappeared? Uh, yes, actually. Um, I have some friends that are looking for him, looking into that. It's crazy, he just kind of disappeared. I heard he was a big fan of mine, in all my diplomating. Yeah, no, yeah, anytime him and I were hanging out, he was, he was very, he looked up a lot to you, and, and to me. He, he was a big fan of my books, too. Just something about our family, I guess, he really found impressive. Said that you and I are kind of alike. That I remind him of you. Crazy, you know. I feel like your dad would shut up, but we'll, we'll move on. Okay. Move on. <laughs> That's about as awkward as I figured it would be for Talon. And scene. That's a wrap-up, right? <laughs> so, our group of adventurers, including, but not limited to, Vagan and Dagged and Bob and Briar... <laughs> You got Vagin and Daggett and Bob and Briar. Uh, make it back to Irie. I assume you go to Skarner's office and give him the lowdown, the what-swat. Are we working for Skarner? Uh, yeah. Skarner was the one authorized to give payment. Okay, yes. We go back to Skarner. <laughs> so I figured that's who you would go to. Absolutely. Um, and his office is just easier to get to. It's not so deep in the city. Then Blanche? Yeah. Blanche she's Montgomery. She's not gonna like us. Are we gonna lose favor with her because we don't have Terry B? Terry L? Terry Longblood? Oh, you absolutely are <laughs> going to lose favor with her, for sure. But yeah, you give Skarner the lowdown, I take it, about who was, uh, behind everything with the illithids and mind control and... I assume you tell him about the High Elf. The information that you pass on to Skarner is that, yes, the assumption that Mind Flayers had something to do with it were true. Uh, the leader of the Mind Flayer was actually a giant creature that I don't know if you guys ever learned was called an Aboleth, but through explaining what it could do, it would be sussed out that that's what it was. Abolists are really interesting creatures, so feel free to research them on your own time. The visions that you guys received would... Uh, Were softly creeping. Yes. Would seem to indicate that they were working for an elf, a high elf, from the Feywood. You also found a letter there indicating that he was paying one of the villagers of Bonestown to let the elephants in. It was in a red envelope. I wrote that down as yes. if that was the important thing to write down. The date is set. Food they require, Lady Scarlet. Lady Scarlet. Yeah, fuck her. What? She did it all. Skarner, you're never going to believe this. Wait, what did Lady Scarlet? Lady Scarner, they're related. Immediately came up to us and bragged about how much she hated Bonestown and was going to attack Irie. Fuck that god. 
Oh, right. She's a god. I keep forgetting that. The, the term lady throws me off, I do have to be honest. Wait, where? Oh, yeah. Why did Lady Scarlet come no. up with the letter? It was just her notes. She had a list of things. I just Lady had a list Scarlet of things. I my oh. notes are the most helpful thing in the world when it comes to D&D. I don't know what's important, so just the weirdest stuff gets written down. Far more uh, helpful than mine. I, I wish that I had been taking more notes than what I have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly because a lot of this stuff was conceived seven, eight months ago. Uh, and we were mm-hmm. like, okay, this will be coming up soon. And then it didn't. This would be super cool. Oh, yeah. Six months ago. What what did we say right. would be super cool? Yeah. we've <laughs> Dang old yeah. 2020. Uh, yeah, no, Lady Scarlet. I mean, you can tell them that you talked with Lady Scarlet if you want. Yeah, Daggett would not mention her at all. I'm going to tell him. That some dumb cunt, maybe I won't use that word, tried to steal us away from our higher calling uh, for him, and she kind of stole his name, too. Scarlet Scarner. <laughs> They're the same person. I mean, come on. All goes back to that D20 that Justin rolled. <laughs> yeah, I'm the killer. Look at me. Yep. Look at me. I'm the killer now. Bob steps forward. Oh, oh, oh yeah! Hi, nice to meet this you. This is Bob. <laughs> this be Bob here. Uh, hi, I'm Scarner. I'm one of the lead detectives in the city of Irie. I'm sure your friends have caught you up on a lot of stuff that happened. Uh, he likes boats, bits and pieces here and there. Uh, well, we've come to trust this group of adventurers. So, if you're traveling with them, then you're more than welcome to uh, stick around and whatever. Wherever this road takes us next, feel free to join us. We are paying. Uh, speaking of which, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but one of our kind is missing. Ter- Terrence died. I'm sorry to hear his that. mission. As his closest relative, does the city of Irie pay any life insurance or compensation in any manner? Briar elbows dag. Uh, Briar was a pretty close relative, too. <laughs> And then she crosses her arms and nods her head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, roll persuasion? 23. Well, I'm I'm real sorry to hear about Terrence's death. He was a key part in getting Blanche here safely, and I mean myself included, so I'm sure we'll be able to dip into some funds and see what we can come up for you guys. I can't help but think that you're not Actually, blood relatives. I, I won't be using that. Uh, his blood was on us all by the end of it. But yes, I, excuse I me. Know, I know groups such as this travel tight and become like a family. So, And Terrence doesn't have an emergency contact uh, listed in his application. He didn't fill out the card? Uh, he just put Terrence Longblood Third for every answer. <laughs> oh, Terry. I'm gonna miss it. My Bob brother. steps up. <laughs> I've actually passed the bar and am Terrence's lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could probably work something out here that would benefit everyone. <laughs> I passed a couple bars on the way here. 
I really like the idea of Bob being like some litigation lawyer that like <laughs> like he did like he, I don't know. I just picture him in a boardroom and people just agreeing with whatever Bob says because they just he drags it on and they're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I want to leave. Oh uh, yeah, we'll we'll uh, definitely take his payment or this extra payment into consideration. It's not something to consider. <laughs> it's our legal right. In Irie's subclause, section 2, in chapter 3, of deceased relatives, uh-huh. one does not necessarily need to be blood relative. Dagged takes Bob aside and says, Uh, I'm already playing him. You you don't need to add on. You could do something like roll a one. Well, as I said, uh, we will be processing extra payment. I just need to find out what I'm approved to give. Uh, for now, you will be taking 500 gold each as per our agreement before you left. Man, that was so many weeks ago. You'd think they'd raise it by now. Yeah, you know, it was so long ago that I'm not even sure if that's how much it was or not. Man, I have a friend. He works for the king. Just <laughs> doing random shit like this. Uh-huh, yeah. He just got paid 1,333 gold. Well, how many magical items did they get for finding lost treasure in the last episode? <laughs> Possibly a bunch. That's all extra. He doesn't need to log that on his taxes, so he doesn't really say. Well, it sounds like whoever's in charge of their whole shtick just is giving one-time payments from their employer where, as opposed to how we handle things, which is incremental payments throughout the adventure, not always under the same guise. Skarner, are you saying that you plant magical items along the Anyway, so, uh, (laughs) 500 gold piece, uh, and we'll be looking into our database for any high elves. You gave us a pretty good description. Um, I'd say take a, a few days off here in the city, get some much-needed rest, maybe restock, resupply. And uh, I, I've got a strong feeling we can come up with a, a solid lead for you guys to follow up on this. All right. Let us know if we need to hit up the library or something. We got we got a couple friends in there. Some sources. Close friends, whose names we know. Well, I mean, looking for a middle-aged high elf who lives in Faywood. Alright. Who wears red. Also, moving forward, I'd like to have a contract that lays out exactly what methods are employed with our payment. And what magical items you place along the way. <laughs> That's all rumor and speculation, uh, uh Bob, sure, we'll get our people to meet with your people. Uh, we'll, we'll set up a conference room meeting. Uh, maybe a socially distanced conference call. That would be perfect. Alright, I'll, I'll send you the Zoom link. <laughs> and scene. That's a wrap-up, right? Oh. Crawlag. Uh, you... Where would you go with Mimi to talk to her? In the woods. So, Mimi, mm-hmm. Crawlag invites you out to the woods. 
for a nature hike, I guess, or to kill you. I love nature walks. I won't let him kill me. (laughs) And after you're walking for a little bit, he reaches into his pocket and pulls out a small crystal on a collar. I brought you out here because I have something to show you, if you know what I mean. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I think I do. I I pull out a collar with a crystal on it. (laughs) Ooh. A below average size crystal. Oh. (laughs) Perfect size for a skunk. So pathetic. Okay. Ooh, where'd you find a pretty gem like that? Well, where I come from, this means we're married. Nope. <laughs> Why, crawling? <laughs> where I come from, this is a part of a much larger crystal, and it makes the animals more intelligent. And? And you have an animal, and I recently found some of these, because I was looking for the crystal because someone stole it. I figured you're... Animal companion would get more use out of the scholar than I would. Oh, Crawleg, you are the, just the sweetest. So, what's going to happen when I put this on her? Should we try? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess it affects everybody differently. Or every animal differently. Animals are people too, though. Aren't they, though? Crawleg, as you hand this crystal collar over, a memory of an old warehouse. A few animals around you injured. Scorch marks, blood, and broken crates all around. Your opponent, Cager, is silent as ever, casting spells without a word or even a movement of his hands. Not even a grunt as the dog grips his leg in his teeth. He holds a large shard of a crystal, chiseled and filed into a crude dagger. It flashes green, and another spell is loosed, hitting the dog, sending him sprawling against a wooden crate. His eyes lock on you as the dagger flashes green again. You raise your hands in defense, trying to shield your face from whatever the spell may be. The shards in your hand that you have found on your journey ring and flash green, blinding you for a moment. As you blink your sight back, you seem to be laying on the ground. You wrestle your feet back under you, only to realize that they are paws. Small, feline paws. You try and change back to your elven self, but you can't. (laughs) You're stuck. You look to Cager, who is blinking and rubbing his eyes. He looks around the room frantically and silently vanishes in the flash of a light, teleporting away as the last shred of humanity and your animal companions leaves with him as they flee. Well, uh, I think we should try it out and see what happens. Let's... See what this magic crystal does. Uh, you put the crystal around her neck. Nothing changes immediately. You kind of feel like it might take a little bit of time for it to take effect. But, Crawleg, before you go, seeing Penny with the necklace, you have another memory. And you're traveling through the woods following the reports you heard of Cager in the Gnome Lands. You narrowly avoided some young gnomes and halflings, clearly waiting to ambush you on the way. Half a day later, you spot yet another ambush ahead. What kind of animal would you turn into to get through this? Probably a squirrel to, like, 
stealth past them. You turn into a squirrel, running straight at a tree. As you get next to the tree, you realize you're actually a little rabbit, sprinting headfirst into a tree. You hit the tree, fall over, and a net is cast on you. You have failed to catch Cager and any chance at saving your animal companions. And scene. That's a wrap-up, right? <laughs> so, Bob, have you ever been to the city of Irie before? Yes, he has. So, what section of the city do you think Bob is most drawn to? What would be, like, the place you'd go to look at uh, paladins? Yeah, so there's a section of the city where the different ambassadors of the gods, that's sort of their area of the city. So a lot of the, well, pretty much all of the gods have at least an ambassador in the city that kind of handles any trade deals or that kind of thing, not only between this kingdom and their land, but also dealing with other gods. This is kind of a neutral uh, area that they could meet. So if the orcs wanted to deal with the humans, they probably wouldn't send an orc to the human land, because in case you haven't gathered, that would be very dangerous for that orc. But if they wanted to set up some sort of trade deal, their ambassadors would meet here. So along with that, in that section of the city, would be a sort of universal temple where each has a wing dedicated to one of the gods. And a, kind of a non-denominational type. Right, right. Um, if you're familiar at all with Skyrim, it'd kind of be like that setup where in the Elder Scrolls, usually there's like individual temples to a god, but a lot of the major cities have a temple that has shrines to the different ones. And that's a little bit more what this is like. So any paladins that are in the city... That's the quarter of the city that they would go to to report in or get their next job or do any training, anything like that. Bob might go see if there's any, like, uh, legal uh, things he can look into to make a little extra money. See about getting notarized in the city of Irie. So, as he is strolling through the city, um, especially if you're in that section of the city. You're going to see a lot of these impressive paladins. Some of them remind you a lot of one of your companions now traveling with you. Uh, others are decked out in like full plate armor, full like helm with, with, with a face plate that comes down and all these different weapons. There's huge orc paladins. There's tiny little gnome paladins. Just all different races and all different Colors of gleaming armor. Some of them are have no armor. They're in robes. There's clerics around, each uh, heading their different way, and just a plethora of holy symbols uh, hanging every which way. And uh, as Bob is taking that in, maybe looking for different opportunities to make a little coin on the side, there's a fountain nearby. Uh, looks a little bit like the kind that you'd toss a copper piece in and make a wish. Uh, there's a few people hanging around on the opposite side of the fountain. Maybe there's kids splashing in the water. And for some reason, it just catches your eye. And you feel kind of like a pull towards it. Bob is a little untrusting, like sort of wary. But he follows his gut and walks over the fountain. So in looking in, 
Uh, at first, you just see your reflection. Obviously, I mean, it m- maybe even strikes you. When will my reflection show? Uh, maybe it strikes you as a little silly. Like, of course, what else would you see looking into this? And suddenly, the water starts swirling. <laughs> It's me. <laughs> it starts swirling on its own. Tiny little waves forming a whirlpool. Uh, and then the water forms a shape. And it's a mouth. Uh, and then a nose and then eyes. And suddenly you're looking at the face of your deity. Whoa. I didn't expect to see you there. Uh, hey, is, uh, is this thing on? Bob, Bob, Bob are you there? That's uh, that's you, right, Bob? This is me. You're you're a little faint. Could you lean a little closer? I can't. Qu- the reception. Uh, these things are crazy. Bob kind of leans over the rail, like looking around at other people, like to see if they see this same thing he's looking at. Uh, everyone else seems to be kind of going on their business. No one else really notices anything different. Uh, Bob, listen. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You really came through for me, Bob. Man, finding the treasure. When I (laughs) don't take this the wrong way, but when I sent you out to find the legendary lost treasure of Captain Bones, I mean, again, I, I just I didn't expect it to happen, especially not so soon. I mean, obviously, I wanted it found, but uh, I mean, there was like a dozen other people out there looking for it, uh, at least that I know of. The implication here is terrifying, but I'm happy I could pull it off. Yeah, no, me too. With a little help from my friends. Uh, yeah, no, they, they, that's why I want to talk to you about, your friends. Not only did you find the treasure, but she appeared to you. What was it like? Yes, she did. I was untrusting at first. But she seemed trustworthy afterward. Did uh, did did she mention me? She did not bring you up. <sighs> okay, okay, okay. No, it's okay. It's okay. Don't, Bob. Don't even worry about it. This is a good thing. She's playing hard to get. You know how the ladies can be. You you strike me as a ladies' man. Am I right, Bob? Huh? I've slayed a few waps in my day. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's a, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, she knows, she obviously knows that, uh, that you got my stamp on you, uh, that you, you're kind of working for me. So really, you finding the treasure, and she knows you found the treasure, means she knows I found the treasure. Bob is kind of like enjoying, like being in really good favor with this deity. So in order to get like a little bit more, He's getting a little drunk off of this. (laughs) Okay. He's going to say, It did seem like she had something else to say. Maybe she was too embarrassed to say it. Something something to you? She may have wanted to bring you up. Oh, I bet she did. I bet she had to fight fight those urges, you know? She's getting hot and bothered thinking about me. I can tell. That's the way it seemed to me also. So, here's the plan. All right, I wasn't able to catch everything she said. You know, I'm not this old, powerful 
person quite yet, but uh, I could sense when she was near you. I was able to hear a little bit of what was going on. She seems to have some sort of interest in, uh, in this group that you, that you got, that you're traveling with. Uh, so, next uh, item on the docket here, stick with them. Whatever they're doing, uh, that's, uh, that seems to be the play here. Uh, is there a message that you'd like me to pass along? Just in case the Scarlet One appears once more. Oh, that's a good question, Bob. Okay, well, we're, we're, we've gotten some points. I don't know what the scoreboard looks like, but I feel like we're up. Found the treasure. These people have something important to do. Uh, maybe uh, something like, uh, I got nothing. Uh, 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 I'll make something up for you. Man, I just, I start thinking about it. My tongue gets all twisted. Maybe, like, I'm at your service. Or if you ever need anything, you know who to call. But make it clear that it's me, not like you. Like, if she needs something, I don't want her calling you, Bob. I mean, you're great and everything, but but it needs to be to me. That's sort of the whole deal here. You get powers, I get favor with the Pirate Queen. I think I could probably pull that off. Just enough mystery to make her interested. Well, you're doing great. Whatever you're doing so far has been working. You're leagues ahead of anyone else. And, and, I know that when you and I made our deal, things might have been a little unclear about my motivations and what I was bringing to the table. I'm, I'm man enough to admit that, Bob. And I know that deep down, it's, it's a paladin's life that you wanted to lead. So... I've put together a little something for you. I need you to grab, like, what have you got in your pockets, Bob? I have some gold. I have some lint. No, no. Oh, and I found this funny-looking rock along the way. Perfect. The rock, yes. So, I need you to take the rock and dip it in the water. Bob takes the little rock out and dips just the rock in the water, makes sure to not touch his fingers. That rock is now blessed. This was holy water. That, boom, holy symbol. You're basically a paladin. (laughs) Huh? What do you think, Bob? (laughs) Bob kind of stands there. I don't feel too different. Oh, no, no, no. Trust me. There's like, it's a whole thing paladins do. They present a holy symbol to like show that they mean business. And there it is. It's got my power coursing through it. I'll have to have this stone put on a chain so I can wear it around oh, perfect. my neck. Exactly. That's something you got to do. All right, listen, Bob. I got to get going. My connection is running a little thin here. You're doing great. Keep it up. Enjoy the holy symbol thing. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. You know how to reach me. And then the water kind of bubbles and just settles into stillness. Bob is holding the stone, like, out in front of him, kind of. Like, almost like he's afraid to touch it wrong or something, then a little lose its blessing. So he's, like, walking down the streets of the city (laughs) with, like, both fingers just extended, like, elbows straight, just, like, extended out in front of him. Like, looking for a jewelry shop. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Uh, yeah. That's where we leave Bob. (laughs) 
<laughs> Bye, Bob. And scene. That's a wrap up, right? Boom. So, Mimi, you are sitting in the diplomat's daughter. You've bought a couple drinks for guys, seeing if they'll bite, you know, as you uh, regularly do. You know, I just like to spread the love around. Uh, while waiting, seeing if any fish are caught with the nets you've cast, you put the collar that Crawlag gave you. It's a small crystal, broken crystal. Uh, he explained to you that it will help you train Penny better. Oh, Penny. <laughs> I thought you were going to say train. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you give her small treats and she, you know, seems to be already improving. One of the men you've bought a drink for, you see slowly walk towards your table. And then he says Penny and quickly diverts to the bathroom. Coward! Penny stops and looks at you with the most knowing eyes you've ever seen. Do anything? Like in response to my skunk staring me in the eyes as she scared off a gentleman caller? Yeah. Girl, don't worry about it. I'm not surprised at all. (laughs) If he can't handle you, then he can't handle me. She, like, nuzzles your arm in response. <laughs> like, chitters a little bit here and there. I don't really know what skunks do. Give me an do. example of what that sounds like. What do skunks do? <laughs> what yep, do yep, skunks yep, 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 yep. <laughs> what does the skunk say? I, I can't even think of one line that Pepe Le Pew says, and that's, that's the only skunk I know. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna get that booty. I'm a sexualized rodent. <laughs> it's uh, kind of weird if you think too much about it. <laughs> you, do you have any tricks you want to teach her? I mean, I'd like her to be able to, like, fetch me non-poison berries. And bring them just automatically to my purse so that I'm always full up. And uh, probably, like, scare away enemies with her cloud of stank. Maybe not the best thing to train in a bar. Right, but I could teach her to collect (laughs) berries by having her pickpocket for me. In, like, a friendly way. Like, I'm not... Like, small things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things people won't miss. Things people won't miss. It's just a prank, bro. Just a hay penny or or so. Yeah, you you spend an hour or so just... (laughs) Trying to teach her how to grab some berries. I probably try it, like, since I kind of am gleaning that she understands me, try telepathy Mm -hmm. on her. Probably to no avail, I'm assuming. Telepathy? Yeah. You have telepathy? Oh, no, I don't. I'm gonna try it, though, (laughs) because if she can understand me, maybe she can understand me without speaking, and that could be handy. It doesn't have to work out. I'm just saying what Mimi might do, and this is what she'd do. (laughs) I don't know what that means. I'm going to try speaking into her mind with my thoughts. Okay. Does it work? She does not hear your thoughts, no. Alright, that's okay, girl. Because I can whisper. (laughs) (laughs) After a while, though, uh, the bar door opens, and you see a large man. I'm in. Like, tall and brawny. (laughs) Just every inch of him covered in armor. Um, He has a large hood covering his head. 
You cannot see his face at all. He looks around the tavern for a little bit and sees Penny and instantly drops to all fours, bolts across the room, and hides under the table. As a human man in armor? or As an armored individual. Uh, okay. Didn't change form at all? No. Surprisingly nimble. Hmm. Then you see his, like, head pop up. He stands up real quick, arches his back, and then drops back down. You hear underneath the table the sound of, like, splintering wood as he is rubbing his armor up against the single table leg. And you hear him muttering and arguing with himself. Hey, hey Josh. This is Josh's character? Tristan immediately take control of it. Like, Meanwhile, I'm sorry, before you've taken control of it, I've probably started petting the suit of armor and telling him it's okay. I would just kind of stand up, like cross one foot in front of the other, put the toe of that foot on the ground and like lean against the table. Hey, how's it going? Well, I don't have a voice for this character at all. Does he have a face? Because y'all made it sound like he didn't there for a sec. He does have, he has a face. I'm not talking to a blank. No, you only see a hood. Oh, I can't see within the hood. Like a hood pulled way the hell down. Okay. And I can't see anything, not eyeballs or anything? Nope. Okay. All right. So he just kind of like acts all casual, just like stands there, like leans against the tables, almost like clumsily, sort of. Just like, hello. I'm, uh, I'm sorry about that little, uh, I thought there was a coin on the floor for a second. Sure, honey. Uh, you want to have a seat? Uh, sure. He just, like, slides a chair a little too far out and sits in it and, like, scooches it in, like, three times. He's, like, super awkward in his body. He's like a gangly teen who's just gone through a growth spurt and doesn't know how anything works. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you like my skunk? I I don't believe we've met. Well, this (laughs) is Penny. Short for Penelope. My name's Minerva, but everybody calls me Aunt Mimi. Well, it's nice to make both of your acquaintances. Oh, believe me, the pleasure's all mine. And your name is... So, uh, I suppose we'll start with Penelope, and uh, as we get to know each other a little more, we'll uh, move on to Penny. That's right. (laughs) You treat her with respect. (laughs) (laughs) So what's your name, honey? Uh, My name is Tristan. It's nice to make your acquaintance. What brings you to Irie? Ah, what does bring me to Irie? Uh, work? <laughs> what about you? I wish I could come up with some sort of uh, exciting, adventurous reason for being here, but it's really, uh, I guess you could say work as well. Not currently. Oh, you're looking for work? Let's just say I'm between jobs. I mean, I've got a couple of days off myself. Does Penelope ever spray? I'm actually in the process of training her right now. Uh, but only on command. So it's an attack skunk. <laughs> she's, she's a jack of all trades, okay? 
She's a Jenny of all trades. A penny of all trades. She's still Jenny from the plot. <laughs> That's fascinating, charming, and a little unnerving all at the same time. I love it. <gasps> I love you. She's a very skilled skunk. I, uh, I, I do a bit of this and that. I, I don't necessarily have a, a specific line of work. I, uh, adventurer, treasure hunter, ghost hunter. Ghost hunter? Quite a few hats. Interesting. You know, if you're still around tomorrow, I might have somebody for you to meet. And scene. That's a wrap up, right? <laughs> Boom. And scene. That's a wrap-up, right? Oh. Gallant Dern rushes through the streets of the city. He's been tasked with delivering a letter as quickly as possible across town. Blanche was very specific that this letter is going to straight into the hands of Skarner. She's had a very busy schedule and would like to go herself, but unfortunately has an important meeting at an upscale restaurant uptown. Gale rushes through the cobblestone streets, dodging vendors and wagons and merchants, finally finding his way to the lead detective's humble office. He opens the door, uninvited, and steps in. Skarner looks up at him, almost like he was expecting someone else, and then lowers his gaze back to the papers in front of him. Gal, it's, uh... What, what brings you here? Gal approaches and simply sets the letter on his desk. Skarner opens it, unfolds the paper, and reads, Skarner, got a letter from Alden over in Faywood. Got me worried. He says he's got news that can't be put to paper. Thought we might send our new friends over when they get back. I trust them, and I'm pretty sure they've got a vested interest. So we should send them if they're keen to go. Except that Terrence fellow. Send him my way. I'm gonna try to keep him around. Things might get dicey here and I could use a man of his talent. Things are changing, Skarner. Not sure if it's for the better, but thanks for being on the good side. Blanche. End scene. That's a wrap-up, right? Trog, you stand in a small cave. After a week of the voice guiding you, Gliter now lays dead at your feet. The orb finally... Back in the hands of the rightful owner. He didn't put up much of a fight. It appears as if he hasn't eaten in weeks. But you release his soul into the orb, and you possess his power once again. Before you could have a chance to do anything, a voice behind you speaks. You owe me money, young man. You turn around, and it's a familiar dwarf. The woman who you were tasked to track down her husband in the Underdark. Uh, and you see behind her a robed figure. Oh, you money. I think you've got the wrong dwarf. See, Cager here tells me I should forgive your debt. But that's not my style. But just this once, for you, I will. But I also have a proposition. I have a group of people. I recently joined them, and you would fit in perfectly. And she kind of glances down to Glider's body at your feet. Trog is, like, 
almost embarrassed that there's a body there <laughs> because obviously they know he did it. And he's the type of person that would rather do these dirty deeds when no one's looking because yeah. if nobody sees you do something, you didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, what, uh, I'll, I'll listen to any proposition you may have. He kind of steps in front of the body so that it's yeah, not between yeah. them. Try to hide his shame like a cat. We we want what you want. Power, money, vengeance. He kind of visibly perks up. We've all had people that have wronged us. And we all have things we want done with this world. Things that other would scoff upon. But we know is right in the end. I agree so far. You join us, you do things here and there, and our group is willing to not only pay you well, but also help you gain in whatever power you need, partake in whatever vengeance you need. How do I know you're not some kind of ragtag group just newly formed? How far-reaching are you guys? Kajer walks up to you and holds out a hand. He doesn't say anything, but he, like, gestures for you to take it. Trig, like, very untrustingly <laughs> reaches out and, like, barely touches the hand. As soon as you touch it, you are teleported to an opulent mansion. White marble, gold leaf, just... Beautiful pillars and columns holding up the roof and a large mahogany table in front of you with a few people you recognize. You see, we've been freshly formed in our current version, but our organization has been around for years. And you see Ortho, the green dragonborn, sitting at the table. You see a elderly human that you don't recognize? Yeah, no, you don't recognize. And you see servants walking back and forth here and there. So he's getting the impression that there's definitely money behind there this organization. There is absolutely money. Did, um, did the two people transport there with him, or is he there alone? Yeah. Yep. They're with you. So he... Just kind of walks up and pulls one of the chairs out and sits down. I think I may fit in here just fine. And scene. That's a wrap up, right? Uh, Briar. Got a couple days to kill in the city. Where what might one find you during one of these days? <laughs> you know, that's a super good question. Smooth. I would probably hit up a tattoo parlor. And add to my memorial tattoo collection. Which is a flower with petals? A rose. Um, and then I, I've added a petal for each person I've lost uh, who is close to me. So I added a third petal for Terrence. I, I haven't been close to somebody since I uh, left my, my home. Interesting that Briar would be thinking of people she's been close to and had relationships with 
Gross. Throughout the years. In Terrence. <laughs> Parents and Terrence. Parents and Terrence. Anyway. Mm-hmm. God damn you all. Because one of the nights, as you return to your rented room at, I presume, the diplomat's daughter, there is a figure already in your room. Oh, shit. So I open the door. Sitting in a chair, feet kicked up on your bed. I can... Can I tell who it is immediately? There's darkness. He's leaning back into darkness, and the light ends, like, right here. Like, at his chest. And then he leans forward as you walk in. No, as I as I start to shut the door. I don't walk in. Okay. And yeah, you recognize him. A little bit older. But it is... What's his face? Jasper? Tova. Good to see you. Okay, so... Internally... Briar is probably freaking out, but she's not going to let that show. Yeah, and he kind of, like, he has his hands, like, sitting, like, invisible to you, so you know. Not a threat. Yeah. Jasper, what are you doing this far away from school? I thought you'd be eating up the praises with me gone and you top of the class. Oh, well, I can do that and still take personal trips every now and then. So you're on holiday then? What are you doing in my room? Sure, we'll call it holiday. I have been away a little bit longer than I thought, but in the end you weren't too tricky to track down. How did you find me though? And who knows you're here? Oh, don't worry, no one really knows I'm here. Well, they probably know I'm here, but not why. And I don't think they know you're here yet. But that can only last so long. I think the better question is, what are you doing? You know, I cannot tell you why I'm here. I don't need to know why you're here. Just why aren't you there anymore? You took off. Kind of caught most people off guard. You seem to be doing well, excelling in classes. The second best at everything. Ha ha. Depending on who you ask. I'm going to make an assumption here. You know as well as I do that the longer we stay, the more they can use us. I'm not going to be used by them. Okay, some of their plans are unorthodox, but Tova, when you have the abilities that you and I have, no matter where you are, someone's going to be using you. Not anymore. Nobody uses me now. And I'm not going to let them use me. You shouldn't let them use you either. Well, I guess it's all a matter of perspective. If you know they're using you and you let them use you or... You really the one that's using them? This seems like something we talk about in philosophy. If you knew what I knew, you would have left too. If you knew what I knew, you wouldn't have. What does that mean? Tova, they're going to find you. And they're going to bring you back. Whether it's as a student or as something else. And it's hard being the best in all the classes anymore. I mean, there's no one really to spar with. And as crazy as it sounds, I'd rather not have you being one of the practice dummies. (laughs) You don't have to worry about me. Well, here's what I know. You need to be careful. I found you. They'll find you. And they're not going to be happy. They might act like it if they ever find you and see you. What really made me come here, I don't think... I think that bridge is burnt, Tova. And I hope that you understand. 
If you cross paths with them, it won't be pretty. You've got that right. Just tell me how you found me so that I can stay hidden. He reaches under the chair and uh, pulls up like a big binder and kind of like scrolls his finger down. And then, ah, here it is. Uh, Briar, no last name, adventurer traveling with half-orc twins and a monk. Don't you fucking mention that monk. Uh, let's see. It says you've been paid for services rendered by the city of Irie and will continue working henceforth until contract is way such other nonsense legal. It's, uh, the city clerk keeps track of who they pay for doing what. But how did you know it was me? How did you get your hands on that? <laughs> He doesn't really <laughs> answer. He just, he just laughs at me. Okay, yeah. cool, 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 yeah. cool, 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 cool. And he'll, he f- kind of like tosses the ledger to you, too. Maybe cut your hair? I don't know. You wear your hood up, so that was a dead giveaway to me, but anyone else looking for you, you're hidden pretty well. Tova, I know how the school works, and I know that they probably have something on you, but. They have something on all of us, and we all don't just run from our problems. I'm not running from my problems. I'm chasing something. Whatever you're looking for out here, I hope you find it, and I hope it's before they find you, because probably the next time I see you, it'll be because they sent me. And I think, based on our sparring classes, we'll know which one of us will come out on top. Yes, we do. It was nice seeing you, Jasper. You can be on your way. Uh, he stands and kind of go to, like, walk past you, like, leaving through the door. Take care, Tova. Fuck you, Jasper. And scene. That's a wrap-up, right? Dagged, what are you up to? Dagged would try his best with his 2,105 gold now to shop around and try to find a great purchaser of uh, spells I can fucking revive his wife. So, your inclinations lead you to the, probably the Ambassador District, because that kind of shares, they call it the Ambassador District, but it's also very religious, because that's where all the gods do their dealings. Yeah. Where the temples are. Yeah. How is Dagged looking? Is he just like, Strolling up to different gods, yeah. Ambassadors. I I feel like he would be the equivalent of going to a flea market, and like everybody's got the same shit, right? You're right. just trying to talk your way into the best deal on that same shit. And honestly, it almost has the same feel in this district. Each god sort of has their own little section of the quarter there, where they've got a stand set up, and they're offering jobs for people to do come be a part of our kingdom our our religion come run errands for our god you know stay here be a spy for our god come be a paladin uh we've got you know we've got the people from the feywood trading and plants and uh fresh fruits things like that we've got people from the dwarven lands selling metals or offering to blacksmith that kind of thing included in that would also be you walking up and asking hey can you resurrect the dead? 
And some would just flat out say no. I mean, not, you don't wouldn't have access to uh, those kind of services unless you pledge a three-year commitment to our deity, join our mail list, and contribute a certain amount of funds. Then you can unlock those services down the road. As long as you bring a couple hundred people underneath you. Right, well, I mean, uh, yeah, obviously, it would be, it, it's uh, proselytizing, I think yeah. is what it's called. Yeah. Uh, of course, if you're a member, it's expected that you bring other members in, so. Well, that's how you actually make the money and the grace to move upwards. Right, with uh, with some of the, the deities, they offer that type of program, if that's something Daggett is interested in. Possibly. Oh, okay, okay, we'll bookmark that and come back. If necessary, uh, Dagged would be in. One of the stands that you find yourself standing in front of, the Ambassador of Dynair, and he is putting on a very a big, like, cheesy smile when talking to you. And he's just, he seems very excited at the prospect of providing services for you, Dagged. But he wants to know, was your wife human? Alright, so... I understand you prefer a certain kind of people. Oh, sir, it's not about my preference. It's just simply these services are much easier to uh, attain and to use on those of the more populated race of our land. Ah, I see. So... So let's say this person was a human. Mm -hmm. As mm -hmm. a superior race, it would be easier to bring them back, right? No, 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 not as superior. It's just simply our arts are made by humans. That's the traditions that we follow. And just in dealing with other races, we can get caught up in the red tape, and we're not quite familiar with all of the cultural... Uh, practices or the anatomies of yeah. non-human races. Yeah, humans are easier and also cheaper. So it's it's just that we're more familiar with them and more comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. But yeah, it's easier and cheaper. Well, the rate would be lower, yes. Alright. So, if my wife happened to be a human and I so happened to need you to bring her back you would be able to do that for an easier and cheaper price? Oh, yes, I can say with some certainty that's something we'd be able to accomplish for you. He kind of, like, reaches under a desk and pulls out a book, and it looks like a list of services, and is kind of thumbing through the pages while he's talking to you. So now's where you give me that price. Yes, yes. Uh, I believe that's a service we'd be able to offer right here in the city... Uh, upon some sort of verification that she is, in fact, human for around 3,000 gold. Well, if I were to verify she's a human at that point, wouldn't it be beneficial for you to bring her back? I'm not sure I follow. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> but the more humans here, the better, right? Uh, roll persuasion. 25. Now, listen, I don't mean any disrespect to you or your esteemed people. Uh, I wouldn't use the word better here in my role as an ambassador. It's simply that is our preference. 
That's why we offer such a large discount on such a pricey service. Alright, so, I got, hear me out, I got some gold, but really, really what I have. I got this, and he pulls out a box with a ship wheel inside. And he touches the ship wheel, and it spawns a whole fucking boat next to the sky. I got a portable ship for you. Would that be enough to bring back a human being? Uh, it's very unusual for us to deal in trades, uh, trading goods for services outside of simple coin interactions. I would have to have some sort of evaluator come down and determine the worth of the ship. Is she seaworthy? What kind of damage is on there? Uh, just... I don't know if it would be worth all the steps. And he just yells, Bones! Come here! Listen, not only do you get your own ship, but you get your very own captain. Not only do you get your own very captain. Human, might I add. But he can never die, because he already has. Um, I guess Captain Bones is hanging out on the deck and, like, leaning over and, like, Arr! This don't be the sea. You told me we'd be taking sail, but I just see land and landlubbers. I don't be liking it, not one bit. Uh, and the guy at the stall is kind of staring, like mouth agape. I don't know what is happening. You want to sell me a haunted ship huh? in order to bring... Haunted? Someone rude. Well, that's a ghost. I'd know what a ghost looks like. Well, obviously. Do you think I am questioning your intelligence here? Well, ghosts are. It's haunted. You said it's it's haunted. It's not haunted. It's fully manned. You've got a captain at all times that can steer you wherever you need. I would still have to have it looked at. I don't know what these things run for. Alright, well, tell you what, I'll give you this ship, and I'll give you 2,000 gold, and you perform this ritual. Assuming it turns out right, I think we have a deal. Roll persuasion for me one more time. 22! The man leans forward a little bit, eyeing the ship. Here's what I can do. Come back tomorrow, put the ship on water, for everything ship shape. We'll set up a meeting with the cleric. Alright. You don't mind me shopping around in the meantime, do you? By all means, you won't find a better deal if your wife is human. Mm Mm-hmm. You do have a way you can verify that? Yeah, I'm sure plenty of people have heard of her. Well, uh, okay, whatever proof it is, um, bring it tomorrow, say, uh, around the same time as now, and I'll have an evaluator look at the ship, and, uh, we'll go from there. Alright. He still has that, like, plastered grin on his face. Now, you just want to fast forward to the next day? Fuck yeah. All right, next day. You come back. Uh, he takes you on a brief walk. As you're walking to a nearby river, he asks what proof he can provide of the deceased's humanship. I give him, like, flyers of her performing at a certain spot with pictures of her. Okay, he inspects And them. I show him a finger of a human. He uh, holds on to it for a little bit, 
when you get to the river, uh, there's someone kind of waiting there already. He walks a little ahead of you and catches them up to speed. Um, they put on a pair of gloves and take the finger and then are inspecting it and pull up in a, a big book and are flipping through pages and kind of comparing it to different finger bone structures and then looking over the handbill. And he looks back at the ambassador and gives him a nod. Well, that seems to check out. Uh, let's see about this boat. I give the big, big boat size. All tool. right, there. The, the ship sits on the water. Captain Bones is at the helm. Arr, that's more like it. I can almost feel, feel the breeze blowing through my long locks. And the ambassador and his friends step onto the boat, kind of go over it, making sure there's no holes or leaks or anything. And then ambassador comes out. Uh... Mr. Siad. Mr. Siad, we have a deal. Uh, and he pulls out a rolled parchment and hands it to you. If you bring this by the temple and hand it to the cleric of Dynair, he will be authorized to perform the rite. I'm going to insight check, but at the same time, like, Dag is automatically going to be untrustworthy of this and handing over his property in gold. Okay. But, like, is he actually trusting in these people? Okay. Really? Go ahead and roll. Insight is my double proficiency. Also, 18. That was a beautiful song. Um, he, he seems to be genuine in what he's saying and uh, excited about a new boat. Okay. I, I will do that. Just know. I will be back if you short me in any way, shape, or form. Understood. All right. Deal. And he hands you the parchment, offers to shake your hand, with his glove on, of course. I pass over my best friend, Captain Bones. So, I'm assuming Daggett goes to the temple. Yes. Probably right away. You present the paper to the human cleric residing there. He looks at you very questioningly, and then unrolls the parchment, and then reads the paper. Yes, of course, uh, right this way. He leads you uh, to a side room in the temple, unlocks a lockbox, and pulls out a very fine diamond, uh, and then opens a book in front of him, begins motioning and reciting words. Would you be able to read the spell description for us? For the level 7 spell of resurrection. You touch a dead creature that has been dead for no more than a century, that didn't die of old age, and that isn't undead. If its soul is free and willing, this target returns to life with all its hit points. This spell neutralizes any poisons and cures normal diseases afflicting the creature when it died. It doesn't, however, remove magical diseases, curses, and the like. If such effects aren't removed prior to casting the spell, they inflict the target on its return to life. The spell closes all mortal wounds and restores any missing potty parts. Coming back I'm sorry, from the dead can you is just rewind and ordeal. say it without saying potty because you said potty parts, not body parts. You have to rewind. Nope. You have to say it again. The target takes up four, minus four... Penis little tea okay. tech to all attack rolls, saving throws, and ability checks. Every time the target finishes a long rest, the penalty is reduced by one until it disappears. That's good. So 
holding the diamond in one hand and the finger bone you've given him in the other. He recites from the book, and as you watch, both the diamond and the finger begin to dissolve. And the fragments that are dissolving off of them as a whole lift into the air, almost like they're being vacuumed up and swirl together. Almost like dust particles in the light, only swirling, intertwining. The more they dissolve, the more particles there are, until they are in the shape of a human, of a figure. And then they begin to solidify until you recognize, standing before you, your wife. Mariah? Daggett? And scene. That's a wrap-up, right? Drew sits down to dinner. With him and Wardell. They make casual talk for a while until Drew finally brings up the question he brings up almost every day. Uh, so Wardell, how goes your training? Wardell answers, uh, very good. I just learned a new one. Want to see it? Drew cautiously backs away from the lit candle on the table. Sure. A smile reaches across his face. Wardell focuses for a little bit and then starts to probe into Drew's mind. A flash of a much younger Drew, a ragtag group of adventurers around him, talking to the king, who looks exactly the same. I have a godborn in my kingdom, and I need her taken care of immediately. A flash to Drew, shield in hand, wedged in a doorframe of a dilapidated house. All his weight, pressed against it as undead figure hack at it with axes. Three bodies of his group lay dead behind him. Fredifer is mixing up a few potions, trying to save the fourth, whose head lays in his lap. A halfling man whose eyes turn gray, and he lunges at Fred, trying to bite his face. Fredifer, thinking fast, quickly smashes the vial against the freshly turned zombie's head, and draws a dagger, and he rams it under the jaw into the brain shit hand turn i had to put him down drew we need to get out of here fred my shield ain't gonna hold much longer you run tell the king what happened i'll hold them back as long as i can just then an arrow flies through the doorframe and hits fredifer in the side of the head drew looks out of the doorframe at who shot it a woman with the same gray glowing eyes as the zombies commanding them from the top of an overturned cart. Drew drops his shield, rage filling his eyes. He draws his battle axe and rushes the lady, running through the zombies as they bite his flesh, straight at her. Flash to Drew kneeling in front of a young child years later, his eyes a bit sunken back as age starts to show in his face. I heard you had a special talent, kid. Yeah, watch this. Kid shoots lightning straight at the wall behind Drew. That's too bad, kid. I'm really sorry about this. I really am. He plunges a dagger into the chest of the child and walks away. Fredifer throws a lantern into the corner of the small home, setting it ablaze. Flash to Wardell's first meeting with the king. Drew standing right behind him. The king embraces Drew and whispers in his ear, you can put away the knife. Drew takes it from Wardell's back and quietly sheaths it. Flash back to the present. Drew looks at Wardell. Stay out of my head, boy. That's not a place you want to be. Wardell looks at Drewgrick and runs.
And scene. That's a wrap up, right? Boom. A man stands on the side of the street, a hawk on his shoulder, looking across to a small building. It's an upscale restaurant, usually quite busy, but today only a select few have been allowed in. He coaxes the bird to open its talon, places an item inside, which it grips. He thinks back over the course of events that have led him here. Not too long ago, he sat in a city office, and his mind drifts back to that memory. His hand ran through his disheveled hair, another headache brewing, and no wonder considering. I just don't understand. How do I not qualify? I was assaulted at my place of work for doing what I was getting paid to do. Again, is there any physical proof? The half-orcish woman across the table asks, somewhat curt, her patience clearly fading. It wasn't a physical assault. It was mental or magical. Pointed his finger at me, and the next thing I know, I'm doubled over with searing pain in my head. Now it just comes and goes. I can't concentrate sometimes. I can't cast my cancer. Sir, I'm not a doctor. That sounds rough, but there's nothing more I can do. Without any proof, the company isn't liable, and there's nothing saying you physically can't work. The rest of her words drone on. He's already heard them a dozen times before. The answer is no. His mind wanders aimlessly as, his, as he makes his way up the street, headed home. His wife greets him as he enters, though not very warmly. Bad news, I take it? He doesn't bother responding. There's no need. My brother says there's still open spots. I'm not joining a merchant crew, Shaylin. I'd be gone for months, not seeing you or the kids for God's know how long. At least it pays, her voice wavers, growing more upset and with a desperate edge. The rent is coming due, and you know Cadence wants to go to Squire Camp. Oh, and let's not forget your school debt. All so you could learn one cantrip. It was a good opportunity, he defends weakly. <sighs> mending. Your father told you to learn mending. Ah, yes, his father. Son, in all my years, nothing has helped me more than that cantrip. And the world could always use good menders. Plenty of work out there for you. Yet for all that mending, he couldn't fix his own home. Communication might have. Maybe that's the real reason he was drawn to learn message. But that was the past, and now his father only haunts him through his wife's words. And that bird. It sat there now on its usual perch, particular windowsill next to a fresh orchid. His wife and the hawk share a favorite flower, apparently. An object was held firmly in its grasp. It liked to hold things, sometimes carrying an item for hours, wherever it went. That loyal friend will do whatever is asked, his father had told him. But the only command he'd ever seen it obey is the one he speaks now. Drop it. And the bird obeyed, a toy falling from its talon and clattering to the floor. Are you even listening? His wife's voice breaking through, tired. Yes. He steps forward and embraces her. I'll find something. We jump to evening, where we see him sitting in a circle of chairs, a small refreshment table nearby. Everyone is currently listening to the man to his right, or at least pretending to. So yeah, I was hesitant, but I let the waiter reheat my coffee with prestidigitation right there in front of me. There's a small applause and a voice addresses the man. That may seem like a small step, but you know what we say here. Any step in the right direction is like casting Longstrider. 
So how did the rest of the date go? Uh, well, I started out great. I said, you're so pretty. Are you sure you're not just a guy casting disguised self? <laughs> she, she thought I was pretty funny. Then she seemed a little annoyed when I asked her again if she was just a guy casting disguised self. <laughs> uh, and then she left when I mentioned it turned out my ex-wife was just a guy casting disguised self. Well, still, progress. And now eyes were on him, and he realized he was next. I tried casting message again today. Same thing. Blinding, white, pain. It's dumb, but I still can hear that gravelly, orcish voice. Stay out of my head. Vicious mockery, it's called. I, I looked it up. Lasting effects are rare, but have happened to the untrained. So, here, magic is keeping me from using my magic to sell magic. What a world. He shakes his head and trails off. After the meeting, a pamphlet finds its way into his hand. People over our people. On the back, a note is scrawled. Magic isn't the problem, it says. Gods are. Stick around. Soon, he's talking with Jimmy. A man that shares his belief that magic is too heavily leaned on, especially in this city. And the gods are to blame. Then, talking leads to a job offer. And soon he finds himself as Jimmy's right-hand man, setting meetings and organizing schedules. Things escalate when he meets Jimmy's benefactor, a tall high elf, clearly a noble with some influence, who likes to keep his involvement on the quiet side. He barely catches his name, Tobias. For some reason, he's drawn to this man. He finds himself in deep conversation with him. Unlike Jimmy, they agreed on a few more points, points that others might call extreme. He learned Tobias liked Jimmy, but said he lacks vision and perspective. And there was something else their little movement lacked, according to Tobias. Something that never fails to demand attention. A martyr. So, now, here he is. He releases the hawk, which promptly flies through an open window. Of course it does. He made sure the hanging flowers that decorate the inside were all orchids. By now it's perched in the rafters, gripping the item it was given. A necklace. Jimmy didn't mind orchids, he's sure. Not too sure about the others. A few local merchants. Most notably, a member of the council. Something Montgomery. He thinks again of the bird, focusing, and the necklace. Technically, it's called a necklace of fireballs. A magic item, suitedly. Each bead that drops erupts in the spell. Usually, a necklace has three to four beads. This one. This one has eight. He takes a breath and extends his arm, pointing at the building. Sensing the bird, a surge of white-hot pain flashes as he concentrates, but he powers through it, uttering two simple words to his target. Drop it. Thanks for listening to Jammer Sands. It's the D&D Show. Outro Justin here. I hope you enjoyed that thing. R.I.P. Blanche and stuff. If you enjoyed it. Leave a review on iTunes. Five star, preferably, because that's what matters. And I'll read it at this moment. Well, like, a future moment like this. I mean, you could do it on other things, but iTunes is what matters. More than anything. Also, not just our podcast. Really, you should be doing this 
with every podcast you listen to. Like, that's how they get traction and shit. So you're being selfish right now for just reviewing mine, assuming you have. If not, outro song. This is the D&D show. This is the instrumental only version. They asked for 60 to 90 seconds of instrumental only and that's what you're listening to. Let's bring a beat in. Thank you.